I know many of you have seen or paid attention to the revivals that are taking place across the country on many college campuses. We need to keep praying for this to happen across the nation. Just not in Ashbury, but it, uh, I saw where they were having one at Texas A&M. Wish they'd have one here, U of A. And we need to pray for that. You know, the Jesus Revolution movie is out right now, and it's, uh, it's something that's very intriguing. I've seen many reviews of this movie as it's talking about the Jesus movement and that began in 1969 and ran through the 70s. And in 1976, if I remember this, I was in college and I had a very close friend who introduced Susan and I, we were dating at the time, introduced us to this Jesus music. And if you're past 60, you can probably remember some of those, that music. But it was the first time that I was ever introduced to something besides the traditional hymn. And it reaches young people in, in such a way that it's hard for, or it did at that time, that the older generation to realize. And in your prayers, we pray that this nation comes to revival because the world is lost and they don't know about Jesus. In this chapter of chapter 5, Martin Luther said this about chapter 5, in the whole Bible there's nothing, there is hardly another chapter which can equal the triumphant text. We're in the grace section of Romans. We started off that Paul was talking about the wrath of God towards sinners. And then he gets here to talk about grace. In Romans chapter 3, Paul told us that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And here's something that we need to realize. Religion can't save you. Good works can't save you. Ritual can't save you. Good intentions can't save you. Baptism can't save you. The only thing that saves us is the grace of Jesus Christ. That he died on a cross to pay for our sins. And he made us worthy to come before God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what saves us. Romans 4.25, he was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. And we continue that theme of being, making, being made right with God. And in verse 24, Romans 4, Paul said that we are sure that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. We have been made right with God. We have been made justified, as Tom had talked about. This word righteousness being made justified or made just in the eyes of God. With this justification comes a new status that we enjoy as believers. Remember the book of Romans was written to believers. And this chapter 5 begins a list of these 
benefits that come along with this new status. Look at verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. If you think back to chapter 1, going all the way through, halfway through chapter 3, Paul's talking about we have been found guilty as sinners by God. And Paul explained how, because of what Jesus did, we're no longer guilty that we're being made righteous, we've been made just. And this guilty sentence that we've been handed down to as sinners has been wiped away. And here's something that we don't grasp as Christians, I'm afraid. As believers, we've already been judged. And we've been judged worthy. Our sins have been washed away. Our sin has been forgotten. And God has judged us when he did that. When he cleansed us, he judged us. And that's something to rejoice in, that we're not afraid of judgment day. Sinners, those unbelievers, are the ones to be concerned. I've been made righteous. You've been made righteous if you're a believer and have faith in Jesus Christ. And an important point I want to bring out to us here this morning, and we're going to spend some time on it, is what Paul says here in the second phrase of verse 1. We have peace with God. We have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the first benefit that we have with our new status of being justified. We have peace with God. Because the price has been paid in full by the work of Jesus on the cross, God's justice toward us has been eternally satisfied. I was led to believe as a young person that every act that I had ever done and would do on this earth, God was going to hold against me if it was not to his liking. And that when I got the judgment day, I just hoped, I just hoped that the good things I did outnumbered the bad. What a misconception what a misteaching. I have been set free. And I've already been judged. And because I have faith in my Lord and Jesus, I don't have to worry about judgment. What I need to understand is I have peace with God. I am no longer an enemy of God. And every unbeliever, every unbeliever is at war with God. You say, well, that sounds harsh. It is. Because either you're with God, either you're a child of God, or you're not. If you're a child of God, you have peace with God. If you're not a child of God, which means you're not a believer in His Son, Jesus Christ, 
you are at war with God because you are following the teachings and ways of Satan. We live in a world where everything, they want to see the, the gray in things. There is no gray. It's either white or it's black. It's either right or it's wrong. And until we view God that way, because that's how he views us. It's right or it's wrong. And there's no room for compromise. I'm no longer God's enemy. I'm no longer at war with God. When you realize what the prophet Isaiah said in 40, verse, uh, chapter 48 and verse 22 of Isaiah, but there's no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. And you are wicked until you accept Jesus Christ. And most people never know that they are at war with God because they don't know Jesus. God wants to remove the impediment that stands between you and Him. And that impediment is sin. He wants you to accept His Son and be at peace with Him. When we talk about the problems we have in life and the problems that we endure. And when something happens that is hurtful, it is a difficult situation. The first one we want to blame is God, isn't it? So God, why don't you let this happen? Well, remember... The Bible doesn't say we're to have peace with the world. That we're going to have peace with Satan. That we're going to have peace with the flesh in this world. We're not going to have peace on this rock called earth. That's not going to happen. If that's what you're looking for, then today you need to be set free from that. We are at peace with God, not at peace with the enemy. So the enemy is going to throw all these things up in our lives trying to disrupt us from our eyes being on Jesus Christ. It can be our health, it can be our finances, it can be our family, it can be numerous things. But that's the work of Satan. The life that we live is a battle, but we're no longer fighting against God. We're fighting with him to defeat Satan. Look at verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Some versions say place of grace. He's brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where now we stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Into this place of grace, this place of undeserved privilege, we stand. We come before God and He recognizes us as His child because of our faith in Jesus Christ. So that's the second benefit. We stand in grace. We stand before God and He sees nothing in us but His child. He sees us as His. We're granted access to God. You know, during the Old Testament times, 
the normal person could not go to the inner sanctum of the temple, the inner sanctuary to, to see God, to, to talk with God. Only the high priest could do that. And it was such a, I'm trying to think of the right word. It, it was such a standing that the priest would actually have a rope tied around his leg. So if he were to die while he was in there, they'd pull him out. Because no one was allowed to go get him. We don't have that. We have the access to God. We go before God to his throne. And we can stand before him. And be recognized as his child. As we come to him in prayer. That's what we do. We're coming to the throne of God. That's the privilege we have. As his children. We go to God. We talk to him. And we can do that before his throne. This is grace given to us through Jesus and we claim it by faith. And because we all have a sinful nature. Because we all have this sinful nature. We need continued access. We need to be able to go daily, don't we? And we're able to do that time and time again because of the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 and 23. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. Mercies, His mercies begin afresh. When? You know the verse, each morning, each morning, it never runs out. That's how much God loves us. Now, this is coming from the Old Testament in which some people say has nothing to do with us. They don't know God. God says, I am the same yesterday, today. And forever. His mercies never end. They never run out. So as I'm standing in grace. Hebrews 4. The Hebrews writer says this in verse 16. So let us come boldly. To the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We come boldly because we are allowed to come to the throne of God because of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 3, Romans 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they can help us develop endurance. I mean, you like that verse. Paul, why are you talking about this? We rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help, in, help us develop endurance. Well, if that's the case, I should run around the world without stopping. I should have that kind of endurance. Right, Dylan? Let me read this, this uh, paraphrased version out of the Phillips Bible. This doesn't mean, of course, that we have only a hope of future joys. We can be full of joy here and now even in our trials and troubles. 
in verse 4, taken in the right spirit, these things will give us patient endurance. And this will turn and develop a mature character. And a character of this sort produces a steady hope. A hope that will never disappoint us. What do we pray for? Do you ever pray for patience? You ever prayed for patience? Have you ever prayed for endurance? What were you expecting? You were expecting patience. You weren't expecting what it was going to take to learn patience. God says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you what you need. So you're asking me for patience. I'm going to send you what it takes to gain patience. And that comes so we can develop endurance. So problems. Problems come. Endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So when we have problems arise, do we think that is a problem comes to help me endure, help me to grow? It's our human tendency, if everything's going just just right all the time we tend to get our eyes off of God don't we and he knows this but here's the difference between the trial of a believer the trial of a believer are productive trials if we take them in the right spirit they will give us endurance Spurgeon said this about this particular subject of tribulation Trials and tribulation. Tribulation worketh patience, says the apostle. Naturally, it is not so. Tribulation works impatience, and impatience misses the fruit of experience and sours into hopelessness. As many will tell you, the natural result of affliction is to produce irritation against the providence, rebellion against God, questioning unbelief, pestilence, and all sorts of evil. But what a wonderful alteration takes place when the heart is renewed by the Holy Spirit. When you're in the floor weeping because of a problem, because of a trial, do you rejoice in it? We pray, God, take it away. Take it away. But Paul is writing here that we rejoice in this too because we have peace with God. No matter what happens, this won't affect my eternity. First century Christians got this. And that's how they faced persecution and death. I used to wonder how in the world could these people be thrown into the Roman, to the Roman gladiators and the wild animals and do all those things. And now I get it. Because they had peace with God and knew this was just going to last for a few minutes. But we're human. And we struggle. So that's why we're, as we go to the throne of grace, we keep praying. 
God has proven his intention to complete his good work in us. Look at verse 5. And this hope will not disappoint, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Write that down, underline it, highlight it. He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. God has proven his intention to complete a good work in us by giving us his Holy Spirit. The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And to deny the presence of the Holy Spirit within us is to deny the love of God. That's how He shows us His love. His love for us is that great. It's not how much we love God. It's how much He loves us. So this is how God's love is communicated through the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to help us. And a lack of God's, uh, this, uh, to have a lack of awareness of how much God loves us by giving us His Holy Spirit is a failure to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. If we don't acknowledge and if we don't submit our will to His, the Spirit is not going to lead us as fervently as He could. Now here's some important points. Everyone who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 8, verse 9. Everyone who is a Christian has the Holy Spirit. But not everyone who is a Christian lives in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 18. And not every Christian walks in the Spirit. Romans 8, verses 4 through 5. Why don't Christians live in the fullness of the Spirit? Why don't Christians walk with the Spirit? Because Christ is not priority in their life. Christ is not the center of their life. I know. I'm speaking from experience. I was one of those guys. I believed in Jesus, but I didn't walk with the Spirit. I didn't live in the Spirit. I lived in the world. It is until I submit when I submitted my will to His and said, Lord, I'm tired of not allowing you to lead my life. And you say, well, I still don't get it. It's submission. It is submission. Everything I do revolves around Jesus Christ. Not who writes my paycheck. It revolves around Jesus Christ. That's how we walk with the Spirit. In verse 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for sinners. Verse 7, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though sometimes someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. 
But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still yet sinners. God sent Christ at just the right time. Just at the right time. It might have been seemed late to some, but it was in perfect timing with God. Paul wrote this in Galatians 4 and verse 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. That used to confuse me. Fullness of what time? That's easy. God's time. When the fullness of time had come, He sent His Son. Now, the world is ready. Politically, spiritually, economically, geographically. All those things. When Jesus came to earth to spread the gospel. He came at a time in which the Roman Empire controlled most of the world. And how did the gospel spread? It spread fast through the provinces that Rome controlled. The time was right. And the time is going to be right again when Christ returns. When He comes back, the world will be ready in the eyes of God. It doesn't say the world is ready to receive Him. It will be ready in God's timing. Then, every knee will bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Do you pray for the Lord to come quickly? As we look around us, things that are happening, if you study the Bible, and you see prophecy unfolding in front of your very eyes in the times that we live. Things are happening that God said would happen before the coming of Christ. Verse 9 through 11. So since we have been made right with God and we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly save, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. What did He say? You've been made right in God's sight. By the blood of Christ. You're saved from condemnation. You've already been judged. Quit worrying about the judgment. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were yet still His enemies. So what Paul is saying is, something that I alluded to early, if you're an unbeliever, an unbeliever is an enemy of God. What scripture says. Believers are God's children. Unbelievers are his enemies because they are with the ultimate enemy. Satan. He says, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of whom? Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, look at this, has made us friends with God. There's a song Philip Craig and Ding sing, I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. That comes out of Scripture. We are friends with God. We are His children, but just not that. We are His friend. We are justified by the work of Jesus. We are assured of our salvation. When we 
couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I guess a month now, Tom preached and he had the bowls up here and you brought up here your problems that you wanted prayer over. These problems, these issues were taken to the throne room of God on your behalf. To God Almighty, have peace with that. Have peace with that because you have peace with God. Excuse me, with God. Quit being afraid. Quit having fear and allow God to give you peace over whatever it is in your life that is taking all of your time and anguish. God wants to help. Jesus said this in John 5, I will tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins. But they have already passed from death into life. Rejoice. Jesus said this. These are the words of Jesus. I'll tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins but will have already passed from death into life. Look at verse 12 of Romans 5. Romans 12 through 15 Paul writes about the difference between Adam and Jesus. And he sums it up in verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness to all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus. Through one man, sin entered the world. So what about eight? No. Adam knew better. And he's the one that sinned and brought sin into the world. 1 Timothy 2 verse 14. Just as sin entered the death through all men is spread through all of humanity for all time. Jesus came and brought salvation through, for all men to accept for all time. And that's the comparison that Paul is making here. Jesus gives the free gift of grace. In verse 18, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God and many became sinners, because, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And then Paul winds things up here in verse 20. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. The law made sin clearer to people. And then verse, the latter part of verse 20, But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death... 
now God's wonderful grace rules, instead giving us right standing with God, resulting in what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul wrote this in Titus chapter 2, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. The gospel, the gospel is where grace confronts sin. Grace confronts sin with the atonement at the cross. And grace wins. That's the gospel. Grace confronts sin. We pray... God, give us strength. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And what God's going to do, God's going to answer. Grace reigns through righteousness. And grace teaches righteousness. You want to be righteous? You want to feel like you have a closer relationship with God? Talk to Him. Talk to Him. Pray for His Spirit to continuously fill you up, overflow your cup, as Scripture talks about. Give me more, Lord. Give me more of you. That's how we walk with the Spirit. That's how we walk in the Spirit. When I have more of Him and less of me. And this chapter 5 is what is Bringing this to our attention, as Paul is writing to believers. See, the work of Jesus on the cross is God's ultimate proof of His love for you. And He doesn't just throw you out there and leave you on your own. He's going to give you His Holy Spirit. So take advantage of what the Holy Spirit can do in your life. Take advantage of what that Spirit can mean for your life. And this War that we're in against evil becomes one we, war, we fight hand in hand with God and His people and not all th out there on our own. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. If you're ready to accept Christ as your Savior, today's the day to do it. You've heard the gospel. If you're ready to submit your will to His and you're a believer, and you want Christ to be the center of your life, and you want the Holy Spirit to overflow you, today's the day to do that. If you want us to pray with you, we have elders that will pray with you and help you through this process. But God is calling for His people to allow Him to be the King of their life. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the mercies that you give us that never end. That are fresh every morning. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I pray we have the courage to put ourselves out of the way and let you take over. And allow your Spirit to lead us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.
Amen.